Like this is so different than what they would have said. This isn't like, oh, hey, God. Uh, yeah, it's Daniel. Uh, sorry, I missed you there. Uh, I was just wondering, could you like, you know, if you could, maybe. Um, uh, sorry, I missed your call when I was sleeping. I was tired. Uh, but hey, you can call me back or you can shoot me a text. It'd be all right. Uh, but yeah, you know, if you do this, help me with my, you know, finances, that'd be great. And if you could take up my neighbor, that'd be awesome. All right. Hey, uh, talk to you later. Bye. Like, it's not some request. It's not some hopefully he'll get my voicemail. Jesus is changing the game here. He says, listen, we come as children to their father. And their father, his name has everything you need. You can run to his name. That one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. There's power in this name. And this is the canopy for how we ought to pray and approach God. And last week, Pastor Craig opened with your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is anything but a passive prayer. This is not say, God, you're going to do what you're going to do, so do it, and that'd be awesome. Saying, God, would your original will for how heaven is, Lord, would your will for humanity, the way the atmosphere and the culture is in heaven, God, would you allow that to invade the everyday life of myself? God, would earth look more like heaven, and would you use me as the conduit between the two? Like, God, I'm willing, I'm available, I'm ready. God, would you use me to change my city? God, my family doesn't look like heaven. So, God, would you use me? Lord, let your will be done. Reveal it to me. Empower me. I'm ready. I'm open. I'm available. And in this, you begin to see maybe why Jesus' prayers were a little bit different. Maybe you're getting to see why Jesus gets huge popularity in a city and he leaves and they don't understand. He goes, no, you don't understand the will of my Father because it's not about my will, it's about his. It's this area of prayer. And Pastor Craig talked about John 10.10. 10, says the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And we have a thief, but then he says, but I've come to give you life that you might have it to the full. We looked at this passage where Jesus is going to church and, and there's the, the, the way he, the temple was intended to be wasn't there. They were taking advantage of people. They were charging more for worship. But he comes and for those who have this great bobblehead little Jesus, blue eyes, blonde hair, and never heard anyone, Jesus took the intentionality to build a whip, flip tables, and just start clearing out the house. Jesus it was it is not okay, and he says this, you've made my father's house a den of thieves, still steal, kill, and destroy, but it ought to be a house of prayer. And it's interesting that he clears it out, he clarifies it, a house of prayer, and the next verse is so beautiful, it says that all of those who needed healing came to Jesus. And they received their healing and were healed. What does it look like to say your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven? Apparently, being people who pray once in a while and people of prayer, there's a difference. And when we understand that we're called to be a house of prayer, it's a whole lot easier for heaven to invade earth. It's a whole lot easier for people to receive the blessings and the change of heaven that they so desire and they need. And this week, we're going to look at this next verse here. That says, give us today our daily bread. Now, at this point, I think it's important to point this out. What Jesus is giving here, giving us here, is not a prayer to be recited, but it's a structure to be followed. And what do I mean by that? I don't think it was ever God's intent for us just to recite this prayer in the mechanics in a robotic mode, hoping that it had some magic power if we recite it in the order that Jesus gave us. I think he's setting up a structure for us. 
And what I mean by that is I'm not saying that Jesus says this. If you want to pray, pray like this. Pray for a loaf of Dave's crazy bread once a day. And eat that sucker every day. When you wake up, you pray for another loaf of bread. You know he didn't say white wonder bread. That is not in the word of God. He said whole grain. Get some sustenance to that. No. God isn't saying the only thing you can ask for is your daily bread. He's saying, listen, I understand that your physical body needs nourishment. And yes, you have the ability to get it to yourself, but you need to come and ask me. I love it when you come and ask me for the things that you need daily. Other places in the Bible says your father knows what you need, but he loves it when you come and ask. Jesus is saying, listen, it is appropriate for us to come to God and let him know the needs of our heart. Let him know the needs of our, our natural, our money, our finances, our food, our relational tensions, the, whatever it is. Jesus says, God, would you give us today our daily bread? Lord, the things that we need to get through the day that we might see kingdom come, will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Father, would you provide that for us? God, would you give us what we need? Jesus is not saying pray and ask God daily, but only for bread. He's saying, would you come and ask God for your daily needs? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for who you are. And God, when it comes to this area of prayer, God, we're so familiar with the word, but Lord, if we're honest, if I'm honest, my prayers and the result of my prayers don't really look like that of the Bible. And so God, in the distance between what I believe about prayer and what I read about prayer and my experience, God, I pray that you would bring some clarity by your Holy Spirit today that we might be able to pray and live the way you've called us to live. We love you, Jesus. Amen. If you're taking notes today and you know, you want to get to heaven quickly, you should probably take notes. Um, that was a joke if you're new to church. You just, again, it's, you know, take notes. For those ADD, just helps you pay attention. You can take down the title, Why Not Ask? Why Not Ask? You know, we talked about this idea that parents love for their children to ask them for things, not because they love the things, but because they love their children. And we see that Jesus is the same way as we see, give us today our daily bread. He's saying, it's appropriate for you to ask. So why is it that we as children of our heavenly father, why are we so hesitant sometimes to ask God for the things that we need? Maybe it's just me, but I know if, I were to, if you were to just maybe picture it this way, if God were to right now answer every prayer that you prayed and asked him for things this week, would heaven invade any more amount of earth than it is right now? Would your family look different? Would your finances look different? Would your anxiety level be lower or higher? Would your depression, would your stress, would your body, what is it? Because we know we're supposed to ask, but the reality is for multiple different reasons, sometimes we just don't. Or we ask once and we hope he gets the voicemail. We never mention it again. And I think there's some things can stop, but I think we need to ask the question first is, does God even want us to ask? Is that okay? There's some theological thoughts or patterns or, or just understandings of God where we're not really sure. We get to say, God's going to do whatever he's going to do. I just need to live a moral life, and that's what's going to happen. Que Sarah, Sarah, whatever will be, will be. I'm, I don't need to ask God to change anything in my life, that he's just going to do it on his own. But unfortunately, Genesis, right in the beginning, kind of disagrees with that. When we look to Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, it says this. 
It says, then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. Why? So that they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky and the livestock and the wild animals over all the creatures that move along the ground. We see at the very beginning the plan of the Trinity was not that they would come up with a plan and execute it and man would be there by themselves, but God desired, I have a plan, but I'm choosing to limit myself to partner with mankind to see that will and that plan fulfilled. From the very beginning, it's not that God gave up ownership or a control, but he said, I'm going to choose to partner with men and women to see that will accomplished. So the understanding that God's just going to do whatever he's going to do, I don't need to interact with that, we see that that's not actually how it was in the garden before sin. This was God's intent. It was his plan to partner with it. Again, in Psalms chapter 115, verse 16, it says this, says the highest heavens belong to the Lord. He's in control. His sovereignty, not in question. He's all-knowing. He's all-powerful. He's in control. But the earth has been given, or the Greek word there actually means assigned, to mankind. We've been given a job. I say all that to say this. When it comes to prayer, when it comes to God's will, his kingdom come, his will be done, God refuses to erase the middleman. God will not allow his will. To, he, he, it's not that he can't, but he says, you know what? I'm going to choose to use my children to see my will be done. I desire them to ask. I'm not just going to do things. And, and yes, there's some things in the sovereignty of God that are set in his mind that he's going to do regardless. But there's also things that he says, I desire them to partner with me to manage, to partner with me to see my will be done, to partner with me to see Surrey change, to, to partner with me to see your workplace change. It's not that they say, God, just do what you're going to do. No, God desires and wants us to ask. The second question we need to ask is, does God respond to our asking? And before we get much more into this, next week, Pastor Mike's going to be talking a little bit about how do we respond when we pray and ask, but God doesn't answer. That's a big question, but we're not going to deal with that this morning. You can come back next week, and we're going to discuss more of that. But does God respond to our asking? Does it make a difference? Or is it, sometimes we think it's this way. God's already decided what he's going to do. If we ask, that's great, but he was going to do it anyways. But as we read the Bible, we see that maybe that's not the case. In Matthew, Jesus says that God wants us to ask him for things. And the scripture is actually full of examples where God listens and responds to our asking. In Exodus 33, there's this incredible passage where God had just taken his children out of Israel, or out of Egypt, sorry, and through the Red Sea, there were slaves, and now they were free, they were going, this is fantastic, and Moses goes up this hill, and he just gets from God all of these instructions and the commandments, and even by the, by the time he gets down, the people have already gone back into idol worship, they, you know, threw a bunch of gold in the fire in this calf, I'm like, ooh, I don't know, a calf came out, oops, and so they start worshiping this, and, and Moses, and God says, you need to go down there, stop this, what's going on, and this, this sin against God right after he, he rescued them. And God says this, Moses, step aside. I'm about to take them all out. I'm going to wipe out all million of them. And I'll start again with you. And with such intent that he goes, Lita, you need to step aside or you're going to get it too. Who's ever had a parent where you know you're not in trouble but they're coming and they're like, get out of the way. You're like, yes, ma'am. It's not my turn. Right? <laughs> like, right? Anyone who's had siblings. It's the best when it is your fault, but they don't know what you're like. Whoops. <laughs> but you see, like, God, God's like, get out of the way. I'm going to do this. Speaks it out loud. But Moses says, stop. God, don't do it. 
And he begins to ask and remind God of his promises. And remember what you said to Abraham. Remember what you said to Isaac. This is a God you're loving. How will people know that you're a good God? They know. And he begins to ask God to change his mind. And you know what happens? God does. Now theologically, we're not really sure what to do with that. But God had one intent. And it was on the basis of Moses' asking that he stops. And later it goes on where he says, fine, I can't go with you because I'll kill you, but I'll just go with you, Moses. Moses like, no, if you don't just go with me, I'm not going. You need to go with us because people need to know we're your people. And then it says this, and it says in verse 17 of 33, it says, and the Lord said to Moses, excuse me, I will do this very thing that you have asked. If you don't think you need to be specific in your asking, Moses made the differentiation between, is that a word, differentiation? It is now. You're welcome. Uh, Moses decided there was, there was enough there to ask and rebuttal to God, say, y'all go with you versus I'll go with us. Moses says, God, no. We see that God redirected what he was planning to do. God responds to it. In, in Joshua chapter 10, we see that Joshua is the leader of God's people. They're just in this battle, and they're going, and he's sitting there going, and God's watching. They're getting a bit of battle, but jo- Joshua's like, no, we need them all. He's like, God, stop the clocks. I need more time to take them out. And God's like, huh, not a bad idea. All right, pause. And it says that the sun stood still. So that Joshua had enough time to defeat his enemy. And you look at all different religious studies in their calendars. There's accounts of a tide that was so high it was ridiculous in different parts of the world. And we see that this is like something that can be studied not just in the biblical religion but all other religions. There's this day in history where the clocks were stopped and it was different. We see that not only can our asking maybe redirect or, or, or change God's mind in the setting, but when we ask, maybe some things, God's like, oh, yeah, no, that's a great idea. Yeah, here, let me give that to you. I'm a father, and I want to bless you. That Joshua, when it says that never again or never, never before or never again was there a day that God listened to man in this type of way. Like, holy cow, yeah, sure. Like, are you kidding me? We go to 1 Samuel, there's a woman named Hannah that's, that's barren and really wants kids. And, and God knows she wants, she's tried, but she's in the temple and she's crying out and she's praying, saying, God, would you bless me with a child? And then there's a priest who was a bit of a tool, came up to her and was like, why are you weeping and dry? Like, I'm not drunk, I'm just, I'm, I'm just really sad. And then he goes, okay, well, you know, hey, be blessed. Let God answer your prayer. And we see that as a woman in a, in a situation, dire need, God knew she wanted children. The cultural setting, it was a no-brainer that she would have wanted children. But it says, go in peace. May God grant what you have asked for. We see in Mark chapter 10, Jesus is walking to Jerusalem outside of, uh, outside of Jericho, and there's a man named Bartimaeus on the side of the road. And Bartimaeus cries out, and Jesus stops. He comes to him, and I love this. Jesus says, what do you want? What do you want? There's something in the heart of God as a father that desires us to ask. Because he loves when his children come to him and ask. So we see that our asking, not only does God desire us to ask, but he responds. It's clear that God desires to partner with us to accomplish his will. He wants us to ask him for the things we need. He listens and responds when we ask. And later in James, it actually says this. Sometimes we don't actually have what God desires simply because we haven't asked him. 
It says you have not because you ask not. And when you do, you don't ask the right way. You ask out of selfish motivation. You ask this. You need to come to me. Again, the prayer says, our Father who's in heaven, how be your name. It's God. It's your kingdom. It's your will. It's your agenda. And then we bring our requests to God. You see, I, I think it's clear that God wants us to. So my question, if, if he desires us to ask, if he's able to answer us, if he's willing, why don't we ask? Like what stops us? And I want to look at three things that I think can stop a lot of us when it comes to asking. And one more, again, we're going to deal with it next week and we'll understand, but I know what probably one of the biggest ones is I asked once and I didn't see what I thought I would, so I stopped asking. Can I can I ask you just to continue to wrestle with that question until next week when we look at that? It's going, to be, it's going to be good. But I want to look at these three things. And if you're wondering, like, you're sitting there today, and you're like, no, I'm good. I asked God enough. I, I, again, I want to re-ask that question. Maybe close your eyes for a moment and evaluate your prayers from this last week. And, and you might be like, this might be like, you know, your A week because it's like our week 21 days of prayer. So you're like, hey, I've actually been doing it. I got the booklet. I've been doing it. It's been great. But, like, ask yourself, if God answered every request you brought to him in prayer this week, would your home look any more like heaven? Would your workplace look any more like heaven? Would your street look any more like heaven? Would your body be more in shape? Would your finances be in a better situation? Would your anxiety and stress level be lower? Would your love for your spouse be greater? Would your addictions be less? Would your lust still be where it is? Would your insecurities, your gods, whatever it is, like, and I think it's safe to say, maybe it's just me. I know I don't ask God for enough things. I don't bring my requests to him. And as we go through this list, I want you to maybe close your eyes for this moment. Just say this prayer under your breath. You don't have to say it loud. Say, Holy Spirit, would you show me what it is in my life that stops me from asking? Because my heart this morning is not that we would get some amens and awesome, that's a great idea. My heart is that you would walk out changed. That your prayer life would be different. That your prayers would honor your Father in heaven. That you would be free to bring requests. So Holy Spirit, would you show us what stops us from asking? In Jesus' name, amen. I think the number, one of the number one things that stops us from asking God in prayer is simply pride. You know, I don't need any help. I can do it on my own. God helps those who help them. See, we're no strangers to this idea. And in our culture, we want to be self-made. I think sometimes we don't ask God because we think I, I can do it on my own. I, can, I just got to pull up my bootstraps. I just got to try harder and I got to do this. Or sometimes we're like, I can't ask God for prayer because I haven't picked up my Bible. So I got to start praying. I got enough, do a good, uh, enough spiritual discipline so he's happy with me. Then I can come to him and pray. The only problem is that Jesus actually said if we try and earn grace, it makes what he did on the cross useless. And it makes it void of its power when we try and earn it and think that we could ever do it on our own. A different form of pride that sometimes comes out is this. God, I have everything I need. I'm comfortable. I don't need anything. And that can seem really noble. Like, God, you've blessed me with this. I don't need anything. God, would you just bless some kids in Africa or an orphanage? God, would you just do that? You know what that is? That's not being noble. That's actually humanism. 
that would say that the purpose of God was to make my life comfortable. And once my life is comfortable, I have no more needs. I don't need to interact with God. My bank account's good. My house is good. My family's good. I got the white picket fence and the yappy little dog. I'm good. Like, we don't, we don't need anything else. But can I tell you that Jesus did not die on the cross, bore your sins on that cross, give you new life to make you be born again as a follower of Jesus so you could be comfortable. He died that you might be called. So if you're sitting there, I don't need anything, well, start asking God for people that do. Like our prayers are not just ourselves. Your kingdom come, your will be done has nothing to do with your comfort and has everything to do with what you're called to, what God desires Surrey to look like, what your home needs to look like. We need to come to God and say, God, thank you for what you've given me. But God, it doesn't look like heaven here yet, so you must not be done. So my job is not over. God, would you use me? Please don't allow pride to stop you from asking. And it can also look like this, where your bank account is full. Like, I don't know what to ask. It's interesting that Jesus said, give us today our daily bread. Most of them would have already had food. In this is an acknowledgement that everything you have was given by God anyways. God, I thank you for the bank account that you've blessed me and enabled me to make. And I understand that at any moment, it could all slip through my fingers. So God, I thank you that you've given it to me. God, would you protect it? Would you help me be the best steward I can be to see your kingdom come, your will be done with my finances? God, I thank you for my marriage and my spouse. God, would you help me serve them the best of my ability that would honor you and your kingdom, that people might look at our marriage and they might say, God, man, there's gotta be something different about them. how I I parent, how I buy groceries, what I look at on my phone, whatever it is, there's this understanding and this humility that says, God, thank you for everything you've given me. And I understand it was only by your ability that you gave it to me. So God, would you give me today my daily bread? God, thank you for the things you've given me. God, would you allow me to be attentive to your voice and what you want me to do? Jesus, would you be there? I think pride can so easily stop us from asking when Jesus desires us to. And number two, I think this is probably what I would fall into, the category that I would most see myself in, unfortunately, would be fatalism. What I mean by that is things are set in stone. I can't change it anyways, so I'm just going to do the best with what I have. I'm not going to contend for God to change anything. I'm not going to contend for a better marriage. I just, I just need to do what I can do, and that's it. Everyone else, there's nothing else that can be changed. And I get this, that we can have a theology that God wants to move, an orthodoxy, a belief, but our orthopraxy, our living out, our, the practical outworkings of our life can look like we don't believe God answers prayer because we never ask him for anything. That the job I'm in is a dead-end job, but I just got to keep doing it. I never ask God for opportunities. It's just what it is. My neighbor's a tool, but I never ask God to show me what hurt him or her and how I can be there and how I can be something. Well, God, is there a word of encouragement? Can I do something for them? What it looks like. My marriage, you know, we just don't get each other. It's, it's not great, but it's okay. And so, again, oh, my kids, they just won't or they just will never. And they just, well, have you stopped and asked God to pray about it before? You know, working with students, some of you students are like, I don't know what to do with school and this. I'm just not, and I ask sometimes, well, have you prayed about it? Yeah, 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 but this is what I was thinking. It's this, this, this. No, 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 have you, have you prayed about it? I mean, uh, yeah, but I, I was there. I talked to this person, and they said that we'll go to everyone else before we go to God and ask for wisdom. 
See, fatalism is this idea that it's not going to do anything anyways. Like, yes, God's good and he's willing. I just need to accept his will. But if I ask him, it's, it's just going to maybe change my attitude. I don't actually expect God to actually change something. Prayer is just more to shape my heart and God's going to do what he's going to do anyways. Tell that to Moses and all the children of Israel that didn't get wiped out that day in Exodus chapter 33. See, I think, what, and, what, and, and what can sneak into this, if you're not sure if this is you, is when we live this way, it's easy to be, one, distracted. If every time you come back on a Sunday, we talk about what happened last week, like myself, and you struggle to remember, or the only time you open a Bible is when you come here, you could be on an understanding of a fatalistic that everything's just going to happen, so I don't need to connect with God in the morning. I don't need to contend for my family. I don't need to ask God for things because he's just going to do what he's going to do. I'm going to be a good moral person, so I get to go through the pearly gates one day. Don't want to go to hell, so that's how I'm going to live my life. But I don't know if I interact with him very much. We can be preoccupied with earthly things and unaware of heavenly things. My schedule, this and that, and all we talk about are these earthly things, and we stress about it, we talk about it, but we never bring it to God with request. It can also give to uh, disinterested. Can I tell you, if you find yourself in this place, I know this has been me at times where you come on a Sunday and come on a Sunday and come on a Sunday, and if you're honest inside your heart and your passion, there's no life when it comes to what God's doing and there's no passion to see God's kingdom come in Surrey and do these things. You might be under a fatalistic view that would say that God is just going to, it's going to be the way it is and God would never use you to change the atmosphere of a room or a workplace or your neighbors. That God can never defeat the fear in your heart so that you can be outgoing and step into things he's called you to. God can never forgive you or heal that addiction or that mindset or that passivity. Or This is just the way it is. And we just begin to accept that the way it is. Just begin to accept. I'm so thankful that blind Barimaeus didn't just accept the way that he was born without sight. But he saw an answer and he said, God, I want to see Lord, I'm going to ask. And he began to shout out, and they said, shut up. He says, no, I'm going to persist. I'm going to keep asking, God, would you heal me? But this idea that God's just going to do what he's going to do, whether I ask him or not, can really rob us from the intimacy that God desires through asking and praying. It can cause us to be passive and apathetic in our faith. And I don't contend for anything anymore because what's the difference? Family, can I tell you that Jesus not only desires you to ask, but you need you to ask. In your prayers, your life, and whether you walk in everything that God's called you to, needs you to start to ask again, needs you to get up and fight again, needs you to get up and, and protest and ask God for things and until you see something different. There's got to be a fight that raises up inside you that understands that God is a good father. He doesn't want to frustrate me. I might not understand it, but I trust that he's in control. I trust that he's painting on a bigger canvas than I'm aware of. I'm not sure what's going on, but I know what I can do. I can pray and I can ask and I can knock and I can see seek, and I can say, God, I need you to change something in me and something around me. Family, we need to begin and remember to ask. Yes, there's some things that God in his sovereignty has set in his mind to do whether we ask him for it or not, but there are also things that are dependent on your asking. 
dependent on your knocking, dependent on your seeking, and not just once, but to say, God, I'm going to keep asking until I see you do it. I know it's your will, so I'm going to contend for it. You see, we spend so much time asking, what's the point in asking, that maybe we never stop and ask ourselves, what might I be missing when I don't ask? As I was studying this, I felt like God just said, Daniel, imagine the Gospels if no one ever asked Jesus for anything. Think about the miracles, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. The blind eyes that would still be shut. The lame bodies that would still be the Lazarus that wouldn't have come out of the grave because his sisters just simply didn't ask. That Jesus knows, uh, come on, I'm blind. Jesus isn't, he can see that. Like he probably knows I want to be healed. He should just know that I want to be healed. Think about it. The Gospels would not be anything that they are. But we see that when people ask, God responds. And he moves. And he intervenes. Sometimes exactly how we ask. Other times it's different. Talk about the lame man that gets laid down on by his friends and dropped down. And clearly he wants to walk. And Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. What? That's fantastic. But what about these things? Come on, man. Like, I don't want to be hoisted back up. I would like to walk out. We see that God does, and then he heals him, but it's maybe not how we expected or in the order that he expected, but God still responds to people, his children's requests. And lastly, like we can stop and stand in a way is simply unbelief. Maybe you follow and love Jesus, but your theology doesn't give you any room that God would ever respond to your asking. And so you have an unbelief in God's willingness to respond. No, God doesn't do that. And I understand, again, for those who understand, I understand with certain Calvinistic beliefs or to one side or the other, or a lot of different parties, there's some verses we're not sure what to do with. But can I plead with you in your study and excavation of the word, don't throw out the verses that disagree with what you think. We must stand as people who excavate the word of God with honesty and humility and say, I'm not sure. This seems to say one thing. This seems to say the other thing. I'm going to hold them in the tension and understand that if I don't understand, God still does. So in his sovereignty, I'm going to trust it. And in my asking, I'm going to be persistent because he says, ask here, and he moves on his own here. So I'm going to hold it and say, God, I'm going to humbly say, I just, I just want everything that you have for me. So I'm going to ask. If something doesn't change, I'm going to keep asking. My asking and your uh, answering of my asking is not dependent on my faith and my trust in you. If I ask and nothing happens, you're still God. You're still Lord. I'm still going to worship you. I'm still going to live for you, but I'm not going to not ask. Unbelief in God's willingness. We can have an unbelief in his ability. God doesn't heal anymore. Or an unbelief in the importance of what we're asking. God doesn't care about my details. Like, he's, I just ask for the big things, but I just got to figure this out. I just, I just got to do that. No, God's interested in the details. An unbelief in the credibility. I asked once and it didn't happen. So maybe God just doesn't. It's either God doesn't or he just doesn't answer me. Maybe I just, I'm not good enough. Can I tell you that the blood of Jesus made you good enough? There's nothing you could ever do to, aim, to earn the favor of God. Jesus took care of that. You can come, as Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, my father. You're a son and a daughter. The Bible says you can come boldly before the throne of grace and ask God for the things that you need. 
Or maybe you're in this place as the worship team comes up where your unbelief is just simply in God's existence. Now, if you're in that place, I want to let you know that you're welcome here. Yeah, I believe you're on a journey, and we're all on a journey. None of us are perfect. But maybe you just don't ask God for things because you don't believe he exists. Maybe your worldview doesn't have room for a creator and a loving God that would want to answer. And my prayer and my request to you would be, maybe just take another step. Maybe ask some questions. I don't think God's afraid of your questions. I think one of the best and most humble prayers you can say, God, I'm really not sure if you're real, but if you are, would you reveal yourself to me? I'm open to the idea that you could be, but God, I need you to show me who you are. I think that's one of the most beautiful prayers that someone can pray. And in a moment, I'm just maybe in this place, maybe you've been journeying with us and you're going through some things, but today Holy Spirit's just been just doing something in your heart. You're like, man, I, I need to give my life to Jesus. I understand I'm maybe not in what he says, but if there's a God who's loving, a God who wants to be my father, a God who wants to remove my past and my sins away and, and give me a new opportunity, a new chance at life, a, a God that will lead me, that will speak to me, that will listen, that will lead and guide me, if that's possible, I need to give my life to Jesus. With every head bowed, every eye closed in this room, if that's you, I simply just want to ask you to put up your hand. This isn't saying that you got it all figured out, but you're saying, I need to take another step towards this God who loves me and who's there for me. Yeah, come on, thank you. Just give another moment. Maybe you're going to just say, yeah, like, Pastor Daniel, my life's a mess, but I know I need Jesus, and I'd like to have him come into my heart and forgive me of my sins today. Well, here's, can we do this just as we all pray for the two hands that went up? Just maybe pray together. And the Bible says when you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth and acknowledging that Jesus is the Lord, that he forgives us of our sins. Can I tell you that this isn't the end of your walk. This is the beginning of your walk. That God called you into this place of a, a family that people can teach you and walk with you and encourage you. But can we just pray this together? Say, Jesus, I thank you that you died for me that I once was an enemy but your son and what he did on the cross made me a child would you forgive me of my sins would you show me what it means to follow you Jesus I surrender my life to you would you speak to me would you teach me what your voice sounds like Jesus' name. Amen. Can we just give a hand clap of praise for coming to two people? Come on. So which is yours? Does pride keep you from asking? Beautiful thing is we can just go to God and say, Lord, would you forgive me? I get so silly sometimes. I think I can do it on my own. God, would you forgive me of that? I repent of that. God, I want, I want to depend on you. Is it fatalism? Is it unbelief? What's, what's yours? What stops you from asking? Because here's the important thing. Asking is important, yes, but asking is just a means to an end. I'll put it this way. Jesus desires you to ask, but he desires something more than he desires you to ask. We said with parents, it's not that we love the things that we give our children. It's that we love our children. 
and your asking, what's most important about it, is not even the things that you're asking for. It is the relationship that is built in your heart and the Father when you come to him and ask. Jesus is far more concerned with your heart than he is your request. Yes, Jesus cares about that, but the purpose of asking is to develop relationship more than it is to produce the results that you're asking for. Some of fatalistic view, we don't ask God for things. You know what that leads to? Zero communication throughout the week. And God says, I want you to ask, not just because you need the things, and I know you do, and I want to give them to you because I'm a good dad, and I love the good, good things, but more than what I want to give you, I just love it when you trust me enough to come to me. I love it when you ask me. I love it when you're here. I love giving you things because then I can be with you, and I can open up your heart, and I can see you discover my plan for you. I I just love you. And family, when we remove the asking from our prayers, we rob ourselves of the relationship that the Father desires us to have. The dependency on Him. It says, God, yes, for the big things, but for the little things, God, I just need you. Lord, would you reveal yourself to me? Would you show me what to do in this situation? God, I, I, my finances are jacked up. God, would you bring me someone who can help me with that? And Lord, this relationship stress, I'm not sure what to do. Would you help me with that? And, and God, the, I know I have a friend that needs healing and a family struggling with this. And God, would you just, would you, God? And we just come because we trust him. We come because we love him. We come because he's our father. Our father in heaven. Hallowed be your name. God, you're incredibly powerful, able, and willing. God, would your kingdom come and your will be done in my workplace, in my family, in our city. God, let it be in Surrey as it is in heaven. God, would you use me to do it? And God, I got some things that's going on. And if you could, would you help me, God? I know you're aware and Lord, I know you're able. I just need you. God, would you help me with this addiction? Would you help me with this stress and this anxiety? And I want to simply just look at one verse, and this is our homework for this week. In Luke chapter 11, verse 9 to 10, it says this. Jesus, actually in a rendition of, in Matthew, talks about the Lord's Prayer. It's also recorded in Luke. And right after the Lord's Prayer, it says this. So I say to you, Jesus speaking, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be open for everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be open. What would it look like this week if we just asked God for the things we needed before we stressed about it, before we gossiped about it, before we talked about it, before we Googled it, before we went on Amazon to find it, before whatever it is, before we stressed out about that test, stressed out about that job, whatever it was, we just come and say, God, I'm going to ask first. I'm just going to ask first. God, you know I just need this. What would it look for if we begin to ask and then seek God for his plan and his will? God, I'm not sure what to do here, but I know that you know. So God, would you reveal, would you make it a bit more clear, the plan that you have for me? I don't understand what you're doing. And if I'm honest, I don't really like it. I don't agree with it. But more than my feelings, more than my emotions, I trust you. So God, would you reveal your will to me? Would you reveal your plan? And when we seek and not just ask, and hopefully he'll do it, this is not 
on a voicemail, but this is persistent. This is seeking. This is when it doesn't happen at first. I'm going to wake up again, and I'm going to show up, and I'm going to be there, and I'm going to seek. What would it look like if we were to knock on doors that seem to be closed doors? God, I know that relationship seems like it's in the grave, but I believe you can resurrect it. God, I know the doctor says it's impossible, but I'm going to keep knocking on that door, believing that what's impossible with man is possible with God. I believe that you're a good father like Moses. We begin to remind God of his promises. We remind God of his character. Say, God, I know it doesn't look good, but you're a good father. You called me. You got a plan for me. You said I'm the head and not the tail. You'll never leave me nor forsake me. God, you said if I come to you, you'd answer. So, Lord, I need it. I'm going to keep knocking until you open the door or you give me another one. Family, what would it look like this week if in our prayer we didn't forget to ask? What if we committed to ask, to seek, and to knock? Because on the other end of your asking, on the other end of your seeking, on the other end of your knocking is a good father that is desperate to have you come to him. That is just waiting for you to come to him so that he can give you the things. Not because he loves the things, but because he loves you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for who you are. Jesus, I ask that whether it's pride, whether it's fatalism, whether it's unbelief or something else, that God tends to stop us from coming to you with boldness. Lord, I simply ask in this moment that you would show us what to do. God, I pray for those that seem there seems to be a blockage in hearing your voice when they ask. I pray that this week there would just be open heavens in Jesus' name, that they'd hear your voice so clearly and so closely. God, I pray for those who've been knocking for a while and it seems like the door's just not opening. God, I pray that your love would so fill and surround their hearts. And Lord, next week as we look at what to do in those moments, God, I just thank you that you're here to equip us. You're here to walk with us. You're here to teach us. In Jesus' name, amen.